Hey friend, thank you for joining me today on Red Hot Mindset. The battle for our minds is real and it can come in the form of exercise or food or diet culture. And we need to take the lies captive and trade them for the truths surrounding who we are and who God created us to be. We are perfectly knit in our mother's womb and God just doesn't make junk. This is exactly why I wanted to share my food story with you, and I felt like it was even better to share an interview I did on the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women podcast because we dove deep into the topic of truth and gratitude. This is one of my favorite conversations I've had on another podcast, and I have found so much value in what Charlie and Erin are doing with their podcast and messaging that I wanted to introduce them to you. I'll make sure to link Charlie and Erin's podcast in the show notes, and I encourage you to check it out. The first season was all about what intuitive eating is and tips on how to introduce it into your own life. The second season, they are sharing stories just like this one, where they dive into other women's God and food stories and how they have allowed God to mold them and help them overcome the diet culture messaging. I really hope you enjoy this episode because I'm bearing my soul with you in hopes that it's relatable and inspiring for you to keep going when you may not want to. Let's dive in. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm your host, Gabe Cox, and through this podcast, I'm on a mission to help you step into the fire of refinement so God can mold and transform you into a woman ready to step into your calling and crush your goals his way. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Each episode, I will bring you thought process, productivity tips, and inspirational stories from everyday people, all so you can live intentionally and move forward confidently with the gifts God has given you. As a running enthusiast, I believe that life is one massive marathon, and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me, because I know you will come out stronger. We cannot wait to hear your story, your God story, your food story. We know that these stories are usually intertwined. They feed into each other and run together. So um, just tell it however is comfortable for you. And um, I'm just excited to get to know you, Gabe, honestly. <laughs> I am too. I have. I was really excited to learn of intuitive eating and honestly learned of it through you and Aaron and your podcast. So it was fun to be able to explore it and to learn more about it. Uh, and I think it identifies with where I've been feeling and led recently. So going back a ways, um, you know, I, I was a Christian early on. I became a Christian when I was like five years old and, um, you know, really held strong to my faith throughout my younger years, even through college. But in there, we all have our own story of our struggles and where we're being tested or where we're, we're feeling like we're getting pulled and, uh, needing to grow. And I felt like for me, a lot of it came into self-image. I was, you know, a lot, I think a lot of women struggle with fitting in with self-image, with uh, feeling like they have to look a certain way and be a certain way. And I really struggled with that. Uh, Starting in kind of middle school, I I left uh, private school, moved into some uh, charter school, moved into public school. So I was moving. And it's funny, I say, because I lived in the same house my entire life. 
but I went to multiple different schools. So it was just different. You know, it wasn't like we were moving around state to state, but I had to redefine who I was every time I made these moves. And I, as I got into that uh, worldly culture, I started to feel like I needed to fit in with that culture. And I think that's where the, it might be where the self-esteem started in me where I was feeling like I wasn't good enough or I was feeling like I just didn't look the same as everyone else. And I wanted to be that person, like I wanted to fit in, you know, and I, everyone struggle, probably struggles with that. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and I did, I became kind of popular and that girl, but and so I kind of was, had my faith and I, I was strong in it and I felt convicted in it yet. I would, fall to mm -hmm. the world because I just wanted to be a part of it. And yeah. I didn't realize now I look at it and go, no, we aren't called to be of the world. We're called to essentially be different from the world. Otherwise, mm -hmm. what, what are we? We aren't really light or salt because we're no different. Mm -hmm. um, but then moving into from high school to college, I started really developing this sense of loneliness and frustration and hopelessness and all these things. And thought it was the blues, just thought I'd get over it, that it was just something, but really realized through um, a series of really bad negative thoughts um, that it was actually a deep depression. Mm -hmm. And within there, I felt the need to control. So this is going to have some of my eating story along with the faith story, because I, the thing I could control was my exercise and my eating. And Ooh, that girl, is what that I found too <laughs> familiar for me. Yeah. <laughs> I relate to this. Yes. And I think it's so interesting, um, like you explaining kind of the tension between I have my faith over here and it's really strong and I feel convicted. And at the same time, I really want to fit in and I feel pulled to this worldly stuff and kind of that tension leading into this place of feeling lonely. Yeah. Of feeling yeah. lost, of feeling sad. Yeah. I think, I think when you have those two things, when you are in wanting to be two different, they're just pulling at you mm -hmm. and you're never really, you don't really know who you are. Mm -hmm. you don't have, you're not really defined and you, and you don't have the confidence then and can struggle with that. Like it's, it's worse than being on one side or the other. Mm -hmm. Because you're just feeling on, when you're on the fence, it's one of the worst places to be mm -hmm. um, because you are, you're constantly struggling. Like, no, I know this is right, but I want to do this. And I, you know, there's all these things and, and, um, and that's, I think that's part of what started me spiraling down into, okay, well, how, what's going to help me be happy? What's going to help me get through this and to figure things out and to find out who I am and you think that being able to control some of those things, like controlling, oh, well, exercise makes me happy. So let's do that. But then it starts controlling you because, you know, and, and with food, it was like, well, I didn't exercise today, so I'm not going to eat. Mm -hmm. Or I ate extra. <laughs> I ate dessert. <laughs> so now I have to go exercise again to work that off. And that was the battle in my mind. And I thought I was the one in control. I thought that I was controlling the situation. This was good because it gave me a sense of, um, it gave me a sense of control. It gave me a sense of, okay, I can handle this. This is, this is how it's going to help build my self-esteem if I look this way or if I do this and I, I have this control. And then 
really realizing now looking back that it was a control over me that mm -hmm. I no longer had that control. And it also, uh, and this is something that Erin uh, and I talked about on my podcast with her story, but it was an idol. It became an idol because I focused and fixated on what I wanted through the eating and the exercise versus focusing my eyes on God. Yeah. And, yep. and I didn't lose my faith, but I felt like, where is God in all of this? That's what I was going to ask. Like, where was your faith? with your eating disorder? Like, did you keep God out of that control? Or, you know, I know some people, it's kind of like ascetism, right? Like they think they're pleasing God by having this order of exercise and eating. And um, for me, it was something like, I just pushed him out of it. Like, this is mine to control and I'm not letting you in here. Um, so what was that like for you? Where was God during that? Yeah, I definitely didn't think he needed to be in that. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really push him away. I felt like I was still, you know, I was still having quiet times in the mornings and doing my routines with faith, going to church, doing all these things. So it wasn't that he wasn't a part of my life. But mm -hmm. I think I how do you say that? compartmentalized it and yeah. decided where he gets to fit into my life. Whereas I really noticed that with a lot of people lately. I think... Um, and okay, so what's the thought process with that? Do you think he's not interested in your food and exercise habits? Or is it just like a separate compartment completely and you don't mix faith with anything else that's not explicitly faith? Like, how was that for you? I think a part of it, I'll talk a little bit mindset on this, is if we don't include him in it, then we don't have to think, we don't have to change what we're doing. <laughs> mm, that's true. Okay. So and I think it should be worldly culture, right, too, because, oh, well, I can believe this way because I'm not going to include God in this or whatnot. And, well, no, if we actually did include it and incorporate the word, uh, we might have to actually change our beliefs or our what we're doing. That makes so much sense. Yeah, I told that resonated as soon as you said that. I feel like that is, you just uncovered a lot of <laughs> women's thought process with that. Um, yeah, great insight there. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, when I, like, working out and trying to achieve this perfect body was so wrapped up in also like getting that acceptance for having a good body and being attractive and like boys and sex and all of that. And so it was all lumped up in this, like, Oh, here's my faith. And this is all over here. And then like, I'm not letting God in here because then I know he's going to reveal to me, you know, that this really isn't serving him, that I'm really striving after something that doesn't honor him, all of that. It's like, at, in a, like a subconscious level, I feel like I knew that. And so I wasn't bringing him into that. Right. I was yeah. doing the same thing as you, the morning quiet times and doing the faith things. But like, there's this part of my life that I'm not letting him in. Yeah. So what happened with that, Gabe? Like how far... Uh, how long could you keep them out? <laughs> <laughs> well, it went a while. It was, um, it was through college, uh, my junior year of college, midway through, I want to say. Um, I even started down because that control wasn't enough for me. I was feeling still out of control. And it's like when you get to the point that you wanted to be or get to the point of skinny or get to the point of whatever, and you realize that that's not going to satisfy you, then you need something else. And okay, there must be something different. Well, I was in so deep in that control. And thankfully, 
I would say I didn't have a really out of control eating disorder because I wasn't, I didn't, I wouldn't have had a form of for sure anorexia or bulimia, but it was the mindset behind it all. Um, it was, I would not eat for a few days, but then I would binge on things not good for me, or then I would use it exercise and all that stuff. So it was, I, it still was a control and it was still an eating disorder. Yeah. And I still deal with that today. I still have to be mindful and daily <laughs> renew my mind and know whose I am and what steps I need to take to not go back to those places. But the control that I chose to, I didn't really choose. I don't even know how it happened, but I started cutting myself. So then it got even deeper and I started having these thoughts of, I, I, there's nothing to live for anymore. I'm so hopeless. I'm so, and on the outside, you would have never known. None of my friends knew I was dealing with this unless I let them in. And I hardly let people in. I had such a wall up. Um, I'm not even sure why, but I did. And so people didn't, on the surface, I was popular. I was, I had activity after activity I was involved in. I was athletic, all these things. So people would have just seen me as this cute, successful uh, young adult. But inside, I was torn apart. And when I had those thoughts, this is where the faith really comes in because I still had my faith. And I was like, God, why? Why am I struggling this for one? Because I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have to struggle with this. I know you love me. I know these things. But I still had it in there. And I'm having these thoughts of not wanting to live anymore. And that, to me, was selfish. And I, you know, I would have said in a million years, I never would have done that. But those thoughts are so incredibly real. Even though I might not have acted on them, they were so real inside that it almost, I can understand how people get to that point. Mm -hmm. And it, it breaks my heart. And that's when I knew that there was a real problem. And thank God I asked for help. That was the point. That was kind of my turning point there, knowing that what I was doing wasn't working and it definitely wasn't God's way. Mm -hmm. Wow. What did asking for help look like? How did you go about that? Uh, I called the mental health services on campus <laughs> and it was interesting. So I still hadn't let anyone in on it. Like my parents didn't know, my friends didn't know, but I called them. It was right before Christmas break. And they actually, the lady on the phone, the secretary said, well, we don't usually take in new patients before a break. And I just lost it and bawled on the phone. And I was like, oh my, because I was in such desperation. I needed something. And she was super wise and was just like, you need to come in immediately. Like she could tell there was something, you know, and that I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't gotten the help before I went to break. Because when I went back to home, I wouldn't have been telling anyone. I would have still had those feelings and I would just kept going the way I was going for how many years I did. So that's what help looked like at first was um, actually seeking professional help because that's what it's there for. I think sometimes we, even as Christians, you can get caught in the, well, Jesus heals, Jesus saves all these things. So we should only be relying on that. Well, he also, God also created the medical professionals. Yes, girl. <laughs> you know, so we shouldn't <laughs> feel guilty to use it. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. Yeah. There's still such a stigma around mental health issues in the Christian community that, um, I think needs a lot of work. And so it's so powerful. Um, so thank you for being vulnerable and sharing and speaking into that because it's powerful to say, Hey, this is okay. And I saw God's hand all over that when you were telling that story, yeah. God help it just the time when you needed it and were ready. And that is, um, it's beautiful. Yeah. 
So what happened after you started getting the professional help? So that's when they officially diagnosed me with a deep depression, severe depression and anxiety and started working medication. We got on medication and, you know, the stigma of that too. It's like, well, you don't want to be relying on medication, but yes, we probably don't want to rely on it forever. And you might need to rely on it forever. And are you okay with that if you do need to? But I knew for me, I needed to stabilize. And so I was willing to do whatever it took at that point to do that. And then with that, I knew that I needed to um, bring God back into my life and back into controlling that situation. And um, I, I think I'm still on a journey of learning how that works and having him control all aspects of our lives and really taking our hands off the wheel. Um, my word for this year is trust. And it's really like understanding how to trust him in all things and trust him in the process, trust his plans because they're ultimate, right? And they're, they're good. <laughs> and so, um, so it started there and I actually started on a journey of uh, personal development where I love reading. I've always loved reading, but sometimes I'll go to bookstores and I'll just Behind, I'll surf the shelves and go, okay, what am I feeling like reading right now? And I did that. I went into a Christian bookstore. They said, I need something, uh, you know, to help me figure out what's going on in my mind, you know? And I read, I got this book on the shelf. It said, it's Lord change my attitude. And it was by James McDowell, I believe. But I, you know, this sounded good. I need to change my attitude. <laughs> so I started reading it, but it was all about um, the Egyptians or the Egyptians, um, the Israelites leaving Egypt and in the desert place for 40 years and how the, their attitude, your attitude is essentially the realm of your heart. So their attitude is what kept them in that wasteland for so long. And God was right there in the midst of it going, hello, I'm here. I want you in your promised land, but you're not, you're not working with me. And that's what I got out of that book. It was like, holy cow. I need to understand really how to let God work in me. And, um, and so that was kind of the, the start of learning and understanding who I was, whose I was, and how to develop a positive mindset uh, in reality as well. Because I, so I think some people have, well, you always have to be positive and you can never say anything negative and you can't, you know, that's like Pollyanna and that doesn't yeah. really work <laughs> Agree. <laughs> So the, the concept of the Israelites in the desert and all of the work that they, they needed to do and the Lord was trying to lead them through, that was making me think of the fire of refinement, which I know is kind of your podcast metaphor overarching thing. Is that where that came from or, or did he give you that message um, elsewhere too? It's a part of it. It definitely is. And because that it resonates with me, I think in all seasons, because we all go through wastelands in different times and they could be a short wasteland, they could be a long wasteland, but it's really us learning how to overcome struggle through Christ. Um, and so I think the refinement, it comes with, if you think about a silversmith or a blacksmith and how they have to put whatever this ugly thing, <laughs> piece of metal into the fire and shape it and mold it. And, and I would say if the metal had words, it would be like, Oh, this hurts. Don't do that. I don't want this, you know, <laughs> but once it comes out and you see how beautiful it is, like whatever the, the black to the theater makes a tool that's useful out of this 
thing that was no longer wasn't useful or the silversmith makes these beautiful platters or these beautiful things that you eat or drink out of or or jewelry and things and it becomes this beautiful piece that you would have never seen and that's what i think of when i talk about refinement because um i say i help women step into the fire refinement i'm not refining them I'm just guiding them into the process because it's God, we have to be willing to let God mold and shape us and refine us. And he does that in that desert place where he's helping us to see, this is where you're going next. This is your next step. This is how we get there. And to remind us that it's not about us and it's not us who's going to do it. It's not in our own strength. We don't have enough strength to do it. We have to be reliant on him. And I just love how he takes the imperfect he doesn't make it perfect because we're never perfect, right? He's the only essence of perfect, but he takes us our imperfections and he turns them into a masterpiece that he can use. Amen. I love that. That is such a beautiful picture of how it felt to surrender dieting, go into intuitive eating and let the Lord work and heal. Like you just described it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm taking that refinement metaphor too hard as just it just felt true i love that picture of it it's such a good reminder too and i love what you said about you're not the one doing the refining you're just leading the women there cuz charlie and i talk about this all the time it's like we're pointing to something <laughs> that's really about all we can do but he will do the rest and i love that that was your experience um with uh healing mm-hmm. and I think that there is so much freedom too in what you said. Like when you recognize that you don't have to do this in your own strength, when you realize, oh, I don't have to be strong enough to overcome this eating disorder. I don't have to be strong enough to like God will work in me if I am just willing to team up with him and willing to follow his guidance to to call and ask for help, to, you know, follow the, the advice of, of doctors. Yeah, it's a hard pride thing sometimes to swallow, like, oh, I need to take some medications for my mental health. There's all this stigma and things that come at you and choosing to say, like, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow here and I'm going to trust here. I love that that's your word. I'm going to trust here. Um, that's just one of those things for me that when I recognize I don't have to do this, I just have to be willing to go with the flow. I don't, I don't have to muster this from my own willpower. It's like that grace just enables me to do it. Yeah. It's empowering. The, The surrender is actually empowering what you think you have the power when you're controlling and it's such an illusion. Um, so I love that your story origin, just like mine, of course, as we, we know now that we've known each other's stories and oh, the parallels. Oh my goodness. Um, control is such an illusion and we are not the ones in control. And when we think we have it uh, and we think we have this power, the power comes from the surrender and letting God do it. Like that's the only power you need is to get out of the way <laughs> and let him work. I have to point this out, okay, because you, Gabe, you may have just been introduced to intuitive eating, but like 
you already have intuitive reading down. Yeah. Like I love that you said, I went into the bookstore and I just looked around and said like, okay, what do I feel like reading? Because that's how we choose what we're going to eat. And then it wasn't even like, what do I just feel like reading? Then you said like, what's really going to feed me? Like what's really going to be beneficial for me today? And you picked this book, like Yes. That's how we choose what to eat. Like what sounds good? What's looking good? And then like, okay, what's actually going to serve me well? It was like such a perfect metaphor. I'm so glad you said that. I forgot to say that, but I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. That's how we pick our foods, not just our books. (laughs) I was like, the moment has passed, but I'm not letting it pass. We've got to talk about this. That's incredible. I love that. I love it. Well, and it's almost like um, in all we do, we should be talking with God. Right. And we should be prayerful about it and say, what do you need from me? What, what do I need to know right now? And I can see when I listen to you talk about intuitive eating, I hear that too. It's really just, what is a real relationship with God? It's that communication. And he's, if you let him lead, he's going to give you your next step. We don't get to see where it ends. We don't really get to see the whole process, but he will give us the next step when we're ready. Yeah. So where did he lead you after after you started getting the professional help and started you're in the fire what what was the next step in that for your journey So I think one of the biggest things he was teaching me through what I was reading and what I was doing and in my quiet times was that I had essentially falsified all these things about me for years like I think when you and actually this is kind of funny because I just listened to your uh, police policing challenge episode. the food police. <laughs> yes, challenge. So this actually really coincides with that. So go listen to that one because it's really good. <laughs> but it's it was really about um, you have a, a roommate <laughs> is what you yes, were talking you about, <laughs> and I have always said that too. I said what if, and I think about this right now. This is what I say. If I what I say to myself is this something I would say to my kids. Is this something I would say to my best friend? Because if it's not, why do I think I ha- it's okay for me to say it to myself? And I had done that for years. And, and in the probably saying I'm being humble, right? Um, think, well, I don't want pride. So I'm not going to say, I'm not going to tout myself up. Well, <laughs> that's, not what, that's not what pride is. Um, and that's not being humble. Tearing yourself down and tearing yourself apart is not humility. No. Nope. And God, I mean, if we think about, he created us. He created us unique and he created us in his image. And if I'm talking about myself the way I am, I'm telling him that he didn't do a good job. And that, I mean, sit with that for a second. That is not okay. We were created in his image and we were created because he loved us and for us to love him. And how in the world, (laughs) when you're telling yourself all these terrible things about who you are, can you love anybody, (laughs) you know? And yeah, so that's kind of one of the things that I really learned. That was a huge lesson for me too. And that was the part that made it easy to change because it's like, am I seriously going to tell God he did a bad job and he's wrong? I'm like, no, that is what, like that, I guess was the light bulb moment for me where I got to be like, okay, like this is not how I relate to myself. This is not how I think about myself. 
this is not how I relate to and think about God and what he made. So that's the line in the sand. And it's, um, I love the way you described it too. And thank you for saying like talking to your child and your best friend, because that's just such a relatable, practical uh, check that we need to filter our daily self-talk through and um, be kinder yeah, and, and more really loving like, yeah. <laughs> to ourselves really and to like, others. <laughs> yes. I really liked what you said about, you know, beating yourself up, tearing yourself down is not humility. And I, I think we've talked about this before, Aaron, but like boasting about yourself and like loving everything about yourself and always thinking about yourself in a positive light is just this, like the other side of the same coin is beating yourself up all the time and talking bad about yourself all the time. Like they're both just focused on you. It's both, it's pride. Like whichever way you want to flip it, it's, they're just different sides of the same coin that you're making everything about you. Um, And like where we find this balance. And that's something too, that like the secular world, when we start going from this, like, oh, love yourself, right? Think you're great and just be madly in love with yourself. Well, that's not really what we're looking for either. Where the sweet spot is, is where we kind of become neutral. Right. We don't have to be madly in love with ourselves, right? We just want to be kind of like, we're good. We're kind of like neutral about ourselves. We're God's children. We're created by him. We're here to serve him. Like we're good. Yeah, I agree. I think that Honestly, I think the worldly culture has self-love wrong (laughs) and that you become self-care and self-love and it's all about you and it's all about this. Now, I do agree that we need to take time for ourselves. We absolutely do. We need to fill and refuel, but the reasoning behind it isn't for self-gain. It's to serve others. Well said. Yeah. And we're called to be free, but we're not supposed to use our freedom for selfishness. We're supposed to use it to serve. Yes. Yes. It's like, I always think about um, praying, spending time with the Lord. He's, he's filling up your cup with his love and his grace and his peace and his kindness and gentleness and self-control and all of that. And the goal is for that to flow through you to other people, not just to fill you up and fill you up and fill you up and fill you up. It's supposed to fill you up and flow through you Mm -hmm. to other people. So that's the purpose of self-care or soul care. I always talk about like a Christian's best soul care is time with the Lord. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah. I always love it when you reclaim the self-care title and call it soul care. I just, every time it gets me every time. <laughs> okay. Gabe, you were mentioning, um, you know, the challenge the food police episode. So I want to know what thoughts you were taking captive again take every diet thought captive is what that episode was all about if you haven't listened to it check it out but what was this story you were telling yourself what was your roommate just running her mouth about that you had to shut up with some truth yes yeah absolutely and this is something that I I teach a lot now and I talk about a lot now because it is we need to trade those lies for the truth because really in essence, any of those things that are coming in that are not essentially lovely or pure or noble or right, then essentially they're lies. And because if they're not coming from Christ, they're coming from the enemy. 
And, uh, you know, that's his biggest weapon. He wants to divide us from him. He wants to cause confusion. He wants to cause self guilt and doubt and shame and all the things. And I would say all the things that, um, I was thinking were shameful things. And it was kind of like, well, I'm just not good enough. I'm not, I'm not the person that, you know, I'm just not, I'm not beautiful. I'm not. And honestly, some of those things are just, um, and I don't know if I would say prideful, but some of those things are just worldly in itself anyway, because does it really matter <laughs> if I think I'm beautiful? Um, I'm not, you know, I, even in exercise, it was, I just need to keep being disciplined. I'm not disciplined enough. And it's so funny because I was probably the most disciplined person I knew, but and you, you get into these controls and you get into this stuff and you think that you're not what you're supposed to be doing. I'm not successful enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not healthy. I wish I were, I, I wish I were as healthy as somebody else and doing the comparison game of, well, they have it all together. If only I could just have it all together like that. If only I could just eat all clean foods and be satisfied with that. And because I mean, I still struggle with that these days because you, there's so many different, the culture is you have to do this in order to be healthy. You have to do that in order to be healthy. You can't eat that and you can't do this and you can't have that. And oh, forgive me for eating ice cream. I mean, that's my favorite treat. Don't take ice cream away from me, but, <laughs> but I mean, it's true. And then you feel, and then it's like, so those were a lot of the lies that I had to um, combat. And even lies of, you're lonely, nobody loves you. Like that's where I got to. And I had tons of friends. I was, let's see, at that point, I might've been already dating my future husband, um, which in essence is also over. <laughs> like I was dealing with all this junk and not, I, I was completely content saying, I don't ever, I'm good. I don't need anybody else. I finally was content in the love area. And then the next month, God says, you're going to marry this guy. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't need to add that on top of all the junk that I'm going through, you know, because <laughs> anyway. He put you is, in the fire, girl. <laughs> sure did, you know, and honestly, that caused a lot of red flags for, you know, our pastor who married us or his spiritual mentor thinking this isn't going to work. You guys shouldn't get married, you know, but we both felt very strongly that God told us we needed to. So we kept moving forward. 15 years later, we're doing okay. <laughs> but I mean, it, looking back going, what in the world? What? We would have never known that was God's plan. I mean, I would have never, ever, but those thoughts were still so real and I had to trade them for the truth and really learning what that meant. And I think in worldly culture, it's, I am something, and then you trade it for a truth, but an I am statement. Mm -hmm. But honestly, that's essentially just worldly. It's almost, it's a new agey practice of affirmations and affirmations are self-serving but we still need to trade it. So I chose to bring in God's truth, which is God's word and his promises because his word never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in order to really know who I was and who I am, I needed to bring in scripture. Mm -hmm. So I went and looked for verses that went with um, the things I was feeling. So to change that lie 
to the truth, that's what I did. So, um, you know, one of the things was I am not worthy. And though I don't believe we are innately worthy because God through Christ, we are made worthy, but we are a child of the King. Mm -hmm. And that is where our worthiness comes from. So changing that lie to that truth helped me to see who I am. So on a practical, like running, you know, the silencer, putting up the hand to the roommate, how are you practically applying that truth in your day-to-day living? Like what is your personal, how does that look like for you in your life? Yeah. So I actually um, have done an exercise with it and I, I kind of every day do this practice. If I know there's different negative thoughts that come that are new or if they're ones that I've had. Um, and this is something that I would tell listeners to do as well is to take a week or so and just write down any of the negatives that come, like any of the lies that you're telling yourself and write them down. And then it's not to like remind yourself of them, but it's so that now take that lie and change it into a truth. And then I like to keep that, those truths somewhere like in my journal or in my Bible so that when I'm having those problems, when I can see myself spiraling back down, I can go look at those and go, no, this isn't who I am. This is who God says I am. Mm -hmm. And they're, because they're biblical truths, um, they are true. Mm -hmm. And it's not me trying to tell myself and believe till, till I believe it myself. This is actually who I am. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, something that has helped me and I've shared with people before is sometimes even looking at the biblical truths, you say like, okay, God, I know this is the truth because your word is saying that. And I'm still having a hard time believing this about myself. And so there's kind of like this stepping stone um, of saying out loud, maybe, maybe you can't maybe you don't quite get like in Christ, I'm worthy. Like you get it mentally, but you're not feeling it. Like say out loud, I am working to believe that in Christ I'm worthy. Cause it's once it's a step away from I'm not worthy saying, I want to believe that I am worthy. I'm trying to believe that I am worthy. Um, Cause so if you're having a hard time jumping straight from the negative to the truth, find that stepping stone of, you know, I want to believe God help my own belief. I totally agree with that. And that's like the extra layer saying it out loud. Also, for whatever reason, I think even more powerful than saying it out loud for me was writing it with pen on paper. Like Mm -hmm. it's sinking in, like I'm reading it. Okay. Now I'm going to read it out loud. Now I'm going to write it down. Now I'm going to declare it and take ownership of it and pray into it. And it's like giving that one truth layers of depth and you're just like building your foundation on that. Um, it's never enough to just read it. Say it out loud. <laughs> talk, talk back to your roommate with scripture, y'all. <laughs> I agree because that actually, so <laughs> one of the other books that I read, and it's not a Christian book, but it was called um, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. Ooh. And by Chad Helmstead, a really great book. But what it really helped me learn is that when a negative thought came, I needed to speak to it positively. So I needed to actually speak out loud. And that is true because when you are speaking out loud, you no longer are thinking whatever it was. That's the only way to negate a negative thought is to speak something out loud. And when you speak it, you're declaring it. 
And I just, to me, declaring God's promises is what I want to do because um, that is me saying, I know whose I am. I know that you are in control and I believe you. I might not believe it for myself yet, but I believe you. So help, it will help me believe. So like you were saying, Charlie, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love that distinction that fills, the, that bridges the gap between like, you know, and I always think about it as like, it's going from your head to your heart and you're really feeling it and believing it. And then like out your hands as you like live it and touch it and grab and like, do take action with it and take ownership with it. So, um, ah, that's so good. I love that really good practical, um, replacing truth with lies. And I don't know if you knew this, but principle one of intuitive eating is reject the diet mentality. And between that and the challenging the food police, I mean, that sums it up. You're doing this without, like, it's so (laughs) in line with scripture. (laughs) I love that you found that and lived it and know it to be healing in your own life without even having, uh, done it as an intuitive eating practice because it's just a biblical practice. Mm -hmm. Something that's sticking out to me, Gabe, too, is the grace and compassion that you're, you're accepting this grace for yourself and you're giving yourself compassion in the, I, sometimes I still struggle with this. Sometimes I still have to go back to these lies and remind myself of the truth. And I think it's so important for people to hear we didn't just like recognize these lies and decide on the truth and then like move forward and and things are good because I mean there for me there were years of trying to work through this stuff and then the negative thoughts would come and I'd be mad at myself that they came so then I'd have more negative thoughts and I'd just like beat myself up it was this big battle And when I allowed, when I accepted the grace for that and gave myself compassion of, you know what, sometimes there's still going to be hard days. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're still going to encounter your depression. Sometimes you're still going to feel anxious. Sometimes you're going to have these thoughts or whatever the thing is. and, and, And it's okay. There's room for that in your life. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean all this work you've done is not. It doesn't mean you're not qualified to help people work through their thoughts or any of those things. Um, I see that grace in you, Gabe. I see it in your face as you're talking. I, I, I hear it in your voice that it's okay to not be okay. And when that happens, instead of falling down the path of, I had this negative thought, now I'm going to have more negative thoughts and I'm bad and I suck and I stink and this is awful. You can kind of like nip it in the bud. I recognize I'm having a bad day with these negative thoughts. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to go to the truth. I'm going to meet God there. I'm going to pray through it. I'm going to give myself some grace. And then you kind of start moving back up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I could even give you an example because in 2018, I, so I'm an avid runner. I love running. I slipped on black ice and broke my ankle real, really bad, like really bad and had surgery in the new year, found out it was worse than I thought off running for six months. My first thought, I have to control my eating. That was my first thought. I was like, well, if I can't exercise as much as I am, not that, you know, I've overcome that and I've healed. But at the same time, when something happens, when a struggle comes, guess what's going to happen? 
you're going to be tested. And so Mm -hmm. that was my first thought was how do I control that eating? I'm going to have to eat less or I'm going to have to eat better, or I'm going to have to do this because I don't want to gain weight. That was my first number one. I don't want to gain weight. Mm -hmm. I can't run for six months. What am I going to do? (laughs) And I thankfully, because I worked through this years past, I had the tools. So now it was up to me to decide, am I going to use those tools to get through this? Or am I going to let myself spiral back to that place? I never want to go again. So it's really about building that tool belt and having those things for when you need them. Because like you said, it's going to come. And honestly, it's a daily battle. Something's going to happen and something's going to hit you. And you have to be willing to take up that armor, right? We're called to have the armor of God and to use it to fight whatever it is that's testing us. Mm, That must've been a really tough season with healing from the broken ankle. And I'm just curious what your, um, what your relationship to your body was like in that. And did you learn anything new with the broken ankle? And did you experience gratitude for like the rest of the body that was working pretty good and not broken uh, in terms of a broken bone? And just like, what did that look like? And how did you pivot with uh, your movement? Because I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong there, I'm assuming if you're a runner before, you probably really miss that experience of running and being, you know, benched from that more or less. I, I imagine, I equate that to athletes and I know so little about running because it hurts me so, and I feel like an old lady when I do it and I don't understand it, but I, I, I keep meeting uh, lovely women like yourself, Gabe, that just are runners and like, okay, that's not for me, but I get it. And I want to know what you love about it. <laughs> so start there, please tell us about the running. You want to know something though? In high school, I hated running. I was a basketball player and I loved running in basketball because there was something you were doing. But I was like, y'all are crazy running just to (laughs) run. Oh, seriously. And I took up running essentially as a form of control in college. And so it was kind of my punishment. (laughs) Um, But it was interesting how when God healed me as I was being healed and transformed, he transformed my running to be a peaceful reflection time. So it's like my time with him. And I get a lot of revelations and things in my running time. So now it's become this um, joyful time. So it's really interesting how it has, now that doesn't happen for everyone. It's okay if you don't like running, you just find what you like to do and you do that. (laughs) But that's kind of how it worked for me. It was kind of a transition and now I love it. And now I use it to set goals. And it's cool to see how, and when I hit goals in running, it helps me in all areas of my life. And God has used that as a tool for me as well. And, um, but when I, when I was told I couldn't run for six months, I was devastated. I was like, oh my gosh, because I mean, I run almost every day. I run six days a week usually. So I didn't know what to do in a way, but, and it was almost a year before I really got back to running. Cause I forgot that you actually have to learn how to run again after six months of not running. And it would be a run for 20 seconds, walk for five minutes kind of a thing, you know? And I'm still actually healing. My foot is still stiff two years later, two, yeah, two years. And I can, it still has pain. It still has issues. I'm starting to feel back to normal, but it took two years. And um, in that season, it was hard watching my friends run. It was hard. And I was also like, don't slip on ice, be careful. You know, I would just because I don't run on ice. I have to preface that. I don't run on ice. It was black ice. It was a really nice December day. <laughs> so, but at the same time, 
I was thankful, and this is where gratitude came in, that I didn't only have running. Because I think, and this is where idols come in, because running could have been, and it probably has been in my life an idol before, but it wasn't at that time because I had other things I was passionate about and other things I was doing. Um, And so that in itself was a blessing because it helped me get through that season. Because if if running were my everything, which honestly, an idol is anything that replaces God in your life, right? So if running was my everything and not God, I would have never gotten through that situation. Wow. Man, I can't help but think of a couple of other strategically placed um, injuries or sidelined or just seasons where you're disrupted in your pattern and you learn something new from that. And so I'm just wondering, um, other than the gratitude and recognizing that, yay, this is not my only tool here. Like, did you learn anything from being, um, from being forced to take a break? Oh gosh, I learned a lot of things. Um, Honestly, I don't say God didn't cause the injury, but he definitely used it. Yes. And one of the main things he used was slowing me down. And he said, you have way too many priorities in your life. And so nothing is really a priority. And so he helped me see that I was in, I worked on multiple facets of jobs. I homeschool my kids. I am a run coach. Like I just had a lot going on. And he said, you are trying to, now you're not controlling your food and your other things. You're controlling your finances. You're trying to control when something happens, you're the one that takes on an extra role. You're the one that does this and that. And you are not going back to the word of trust. You're not trusting me in this. And so he taught me that I still had control issues. (laughs) I, yeah, I've had control issues probably my whole life. So, but, and He also taught me that just because I had an injury doesn't mean I'm going back to that place. Just because something happens doesn't mean I have to go there. One, it's my choice. I get to choose. And that's what's beautiful about it. Now, is it hard? Is it a hard choice? Yes. But I got to choose. And he also taught me that I could keep doing what I was doing mostly. I mean, I probably did eat less because I wasn't running as much. So I didn't need as many calories. I wasn't as hungry, but I wasn't gaining weight. I did gain a little bit, but it wasn't like this surmountable thing that was going to make a huge difference in my life. So he helped me to see that in the grand scheme of things, that really didn't matter. And um, that was a huge breakthrough for me. But definitely the simplifying, he taught me that, that I needed to stop and stop taking control and let him work and trust him in all things. Aren't our bodies so awesome? (laughs) Like God is, he designed us so beautifully that like, I just love, I love that you're honest about my first thought was, oh my gosh, I'm going to gain weight. What am I going to do? And then you chose, it was so hard, but you chose to let it go, right? You chose to trust him and let it go. And your body naturally, if you're not expending that energy, decreased your appetite a little bit you're going to gain a little bit of weight if you know you're going to gain a little bit of weight if you're not moving as much and as you're but it was okay your body was fine it wasn't some big drastic thing it didn't it didn't alter your life you your body figured it out and you figured it out and um 
I think that like, that's really what intuitive eating is all about is we don't get to control our bodies like we think we can with food and exercise. And we don't get to control our health as much as we think that we do with our lifestyle choices. Um, God's really in control and he really designed our bodies to tell us when to eat and when to move and what feels good. And um, so I, I just love that you're just being introduced to intuitive eating, but it's you, you, you get it. Oh yeah. She gets it. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a my, it is a mindset thing. Like intuitive eating is all about mindset and mm-hmm. lifestyle and following what you're feeling led by the spirit essentially. Yeah. And so I can see how that all interplays because that's what our life should be reflected on. It is a mindset. It is being led by the spirit. Mm-hmm. I love that you um, framed it to at the end there and, and how you were describing it as is a choice and you get to choose. Mm-hmm. And um, I just I felt so, uh, it's such an empowering thought to recognize that patterns of behavior, though they may be strong and though they may have years of history, like ultimately you're choosing it. And it's such a beautiful example of you getting to walk through another trial and recognizing that it's a choice again and being encouraged by the Lord that you're right in that it's like, okay, I get to choose to apply the truth here and put on well all the things that I've learned and not like, not see a trial as a complete backslide and be, uh, it's just, it's beautiful how he used that to speak to you about priorities mm-hmm. and simplification of life. I think we could all use a reminder to, um, how challenging it is to check our priorities. I needed that reminder today. So thank you for talking about priorities. I think I constantly need that reminder. And I love, um, I'm seeing more parallels. Shara, did you notice it? It was like, okay, well, it was, if it's not my control of my food and body, it's going to be the control of finance or performance, whatever you want to characterize that as. And that is, Gabe, that has been our experience with this as well, because, um, once you recognize that you have a little idle factory for a heart, we do, let's just call it what it is. It's okay. <laughs> to know that it's probably going to tempt you to exert those same negative patterns in another area. Once you get victory in one area through God working in you, you're just going to kind of try and get your control back in another area and you get to re um, reapply all of the things you've learned into a new area. And so eventually I know Charlie and I like to talk about this as intuitive eating um, then became intuitive podcasting, (laughs) intuitive (laughs) ministry and intuitive living. As we take these like core life lessons that the Lord teaches us through eating and running and our quiet time and apply them in one area successfully. And then get to choose to apply them to another area when it comes up and it equips us to live these spirit-led lives. Um, And I just, I think it's so cool to see that um, in your story. Um, So (laughs) it's just so cool that it's an intuitive eating story, whether you (laughs) realize it or not, so is. And okay, I want you to talk to us a little bit about gratitude because I know um, that is part of 
the powerhouse of Red Hot Mindset is um, using gratitude as a tool um, in, in the mindset arena. So share with us a little bit about uh, how that has looked for you. Yeah. So going back to that book that I picked up off the shelf, The Lord Changed My Attitude, uh, really what it came down to was the Israelites, rather than having gratitude for what they were provided, they complained. They chose to complain. Well, we don't have we don't have the right food and we don't have the right drink and we don't have an idol to worship and we don't have all these things. But God was providing the whole time. So if they would have just seen that and recognized it for what it was, then they may have been content in that situation and really allowed God to lead. And to me, in my season, as I was overcoming the control and um, the depression, I learned that when I saw the good in my life, because there's always something, we can always look in our day and find something to be grateful for, no matter how hard our season is. And whether it's even just, I'm alive, you know, or whatever it is. Um, that when I started focusing on the things I was grateful for, it helped change my mindset and helped that negative turn more into positive and help me to be content. Like Paul says, I've known what it is to have a lot and I've known what it is to have little and I know how to be content. Mm -hmm. And that contentment comes with gratitude, being grateful for God's provision. Because God hasn't doesn't say you're gonna get everything you want, but he does say he will provide for mm -hmm. all your needs. And it's, are we willing to wait on him for his timing? Are we wait, willing to wait on him to see how it's going to unfold and be in the unknown because the unknown is scary. And, um, and that's what gratitude is. And so honestly, in that season, I started a gratitude journal and I just wrote down every day. I tried to come up with something I was grateful for. Um, and some days it was really, really hard. And I just had to say, you know, I'm grateful that I made it through today. And, or I'd look back, but I would do it where it was that day or the day before. So it was always in the season and not for something from a long time ago, because it really, it's about being where you're at and being present and to really see what is that. And when you start seeing those gratitudes, you start just loving where you are and the joy comes. Maybe, you know, happiness is fleeting, but joy is from your heart and it's in you can be in a tough situation and you can still exude joy. And that's what gratitude brings. And honestly, I have done it. There was a really hard season I was going through one time and it was, this has nothing to do with eating, but our relation, my husband and I were in a hard relationship at the time. I didn't like him. <laughs> and so what I decided to do for myself and I, and I was in the middle of raising three really little kids I was working full time. I was homeschooling. I was doing all these things in my busy seasons. Um, granted, that's probably why I was having the feelings I was having, but I chose to do a gratitude journal for 30 days. And I chose to pick one thing I liked about my kids or one thing I was grateful for, one thing I was grateful for, for my husband and one thing I was grateful for in my life every day. And that was hard because some days I didn't like him at all. And I had to come up with something, but it helped change my mindset. And then after those 30 days, I liked him more than I did when we got married because it just changed my perspective. Because when you're always looking at the negative or the flaws, you're always going to see those. But when you choose to look for the positive, 
it'll help change that direction and really helps God change you. <laughs> God didn't change my husband and he changed me. Yeah. I love that. It's so simple. And I've done seasons of gratitude journaling and I found it to be as profound as you're describing. And yet I fell out of the habit of it. You have inspired me <laughs> to do that again, because like we were talking about before too, just the process of writing it out and maybe even, Hey, if you're going to go the extra mile there, say it out loud or bonus points, maybe even say it <laughs> to the hubby or kiddo if it's appropriate. Like their um, gratitude is powerful. And I love that your experience with that really speaks to how transformative it can be. Yeah. So I know we're getting close to time, but I feel like I have to talk about this. Okay, go for it. So um, so my word this year is and, and it has been extremely freeing for me to realize that I am allowed to be two things at once. So, and, and you talked about this a little bit in the beginning of our talk, like, it's not that you always have to be positive and everything has to be great and you have to pretend that the things that make you sad don't make you sad or whatever those things are. It's not like everything has to be gratitude and I have to be happy. All that, like you said, happiness is fleeting, right? Um, like that good vibes only thing. I really don't enjoy that because the true human experience includes sadness and God welcomes our sadness and it includes our disappointments and it includes whatever those things are. So, and I used to feel a lot of shame if I felt sad or um, for like in my past, if I was dealing with depression or anxiety, it was like, oh, this makes sense because I'm experiencing X, Y, Z in my life. And in the last year or so, if I was struggling with depression or anxiety, I was like, what is wrong with me? My life is great. And now, and I'm having this. So what the heck? And it really helped me see that I'm allowed to be both. I can be, and, and I pray this way to God. And I do this in my, if I'm journaling and it really helps me, I am really sad about X, Y, and Z and very thankful for Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. I, and you can be those things at the same time, even sometimes when they contradict themselves. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Yeah. So there's space for this and there's space for this. And you get to, you get to say, I am clinically depressed and I feel depressed and I'm going to make the choice to use some of these tools to work on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I'm sad about this and I'm grateful for it at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really sad that I broke my ankle and I'm so thankful that it showed me that running's no longer an idol in my life. And it showed me these priorities that you get to be both. Mm -hmm. You get to feel both of those things. I have to chime in here with the and for me, because that I, and I knew that, I think I knew that was your word this year. Makes so much sense. But that uh, message was pressed in on my heart with the quote, um, and you actually mentioned this earlier, Gabe, about uh, being a masterpiece. And it's like, you are allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And that's the and part. And it's like, 
there are not, it's not mutually exclusive. Like those things can exist together. There's space for all of that. There is grace for all of that. And on the mindset piece, being able to see yourself as both God's creation and therefore a masterpiece and being a work in progress and seeing yourself in the fire and knowing you need to be in that fire for probably a minute <laughs> or two <laughs> to get all of the purification the Lord wants to do to really, um, really change your heart and really make you more like him. And it's like those things go together. So I think they're light and is life giving. It is not either or it is. And, and I, I'm so glad that just fell into the conversation today. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> yes. And we're just so, um, so happy you got to be here with us today to share your heart and what God has been showing you. And it's just such a, stories are so powerful. So thank you for sharing your story with us. And uh, would you mind closing us in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. I've been honored to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. I have gotten a lot out of the show, so I know your listeners are too. So, but I think just setting us free of that diet mindset is amazing. So I love what you're doing, but I would love to pray (laughs) to finish this up. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, I just come before you thankful for Aaron and Charlie and all that they're doing with the Intuitive Eating Podcast and helping set women free from the diet culture and to really understand what it means to be spirit-led in all areas and especially in eating and exercising. And I pray for these women that are listening that you will just um, help them to see if there's any area in their life that they have Um, taken control of or have an idol that they need to just lay before you and surrender. And Lord, help them to see that the surrender is so beautiful and that you will take their mess and turn it into a message or into your masterpiece that you can use to further your kingdom. And I just pray that we are willing to do that. And we're willing to really listen to your still small voice and to obey when we're told what we need to do. I thank you so much for just the gift of choice and the gift of freedom that you've given us and for your love, your everlasting love. And I thank you that you made us in your image and that we are a beautiful masterpiece to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go, though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify, as reviews are an important part of growing this podcast. If you have any friends or family who you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with them. And if you're not a part of the free Mindful Mamas online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your gifting, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to www.redhotmindset.com to check out the show notes and find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye, winner.